This is an Odyssey original. This is War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. While Ukrainians are going back to villages and suburbs surrounding Kyiv, taking stock of the destruction left behind by the Russian military, there are still several other Ukrainian towns that are under Russian occupation. Kherson is one such city south of Ukraine, or in the south of Ukraine, one of the few major metropolitan areas where the Russians have managed to maintain control for weeks. So we are going to check in again with a woman who lives there. She says she's worried things could get even worse, especially after the destruction in Bucha. And the U.N. takes action against Russia, suspending it from the Human Rights Council. But is that going to have much meaning or significance for the Russians? The horrors of the death and destruction in Bucha have resonated all across Ukraine. This has people in cities controlled by Russia scared and worried. The mayor of Kherson recently said there's panic growing in the city. Back with us is Olga. You may recall we spoke to her just about two weeks ago. She's an English teacher in Kherson and is still there with her family. She told us then about Russians getting violent with protesters. Olga, thanks so much for coming back to talk with us. You're still hanging in there in Kherson. So how are things going over the last few weeks since we last talked? Well, well, hello. I'm still in Kherson, of course, and I'm really worried even more than before. Because uh, uh, after uh, everything what we have known about uh, cities, what was happening uh, in occupation in cities of uh, Kiev region, we are really scared what can happen uh, after these days when uh, when the bombarding can start. And uh, uh, we are all waiting for our troops to come, and they are slowly coming. And uh, they are uh, attacking from both sides already, Kherson region, and uh, bomb, uh, bombarding is coming uh, very soon, I think. And uh, what, how the Russian soldiers will behave uh, after all we have known, we don't know. And people in Kherson have started really panicking and leaving the town. And uh, from nearby villages, people... Uh, where uh, located all their troops uh, around Kherson, they start. Uh, they also come to Kherson, uh, looking for shelters from their uh, from their villages. Are you thinking of of trying to leave? And and if you tried, do you think you could? Well, you know, lots of people are trying to leave, uh, and on their cars, uh, and uh, some of them manage to uh, leave the region. But uh, some uh, they just turned back and they cannot get through the uh, check line, uh, checkpoints uh, uh, of rushes. Uh, but uh, my family have been thinking for a long time whether to live or not, and we have come to the uh, decision to leave the town, to leave the house. And we are staying here, uh, really all scared and worried. And our neighbor, our relatives from from nearby village, they came to us uh, looking for shelter because they are scared to stay uh, stay there in the village, uh, as the village is across the river. Uh, and uh, if uh, when the bombing starts, the bridge can be broken, damaged, and uh, that's why they have come to us now. They are staying with us. How many, I'm curious, uh, Olga, how many people are with you now? Uh, what family members are you living with? Well, I live with my son, his uh, wife, and uh, uh, their baby, uh, 14 months old, and uh, 
my uh, uh, daughter-in-law's uh, aunt, mom, and uh, grandma came here. That's why we are here all in our house. What is it like kind of day to day? I mean, how have the last couple of weeks been? Obviously, the, the fear and the worry is starting to escalate, but what is it like kind of one day to the next for all of you guys? Well, you know, uh, it uh, the real fear started uh, after uh, Butcher and uh, Gastomel's uh, photos and uh, all videos, which we could see here, and uh, uh, it it's really start uh, been dangerous. And uh, though we are staying here. Uh, we still have some food, uh, uh, though uh, it, there is problem with medication. We cannot get any painkillers, any uh, anything. Uh, our pharmacies are almost empty, uh, and uh, Russia's uh, they don't uh, allow any humanitarian humanitarian help uh, to her son. Uh, they uh, they they bring some food from. Uh, uh, from Crimea and uh, force uh, people to take it. D are, are there, do you have any interaction at all? Are, are there Russian troops uh, anywhere near where you are now staying in Kherson? Do you actually uh, have any, uh, I don't know, exchanges they, with them? Well, they are uh, going around Kherson easily, and uh, they have lots of uh, checkpoints uh, in the city, uh, they are located in different parts of it, uh, and when we go uh, to to the meetings uh, uh, every Sunday, they are in front of us. We could see them, and uh, uh, while marching, uh, they were shooting their guns uh, uh, in the air. And uh, at the, uh, two weeks ago, my, uh, I don't know whether I told you or not that uh, the uh, these sound grenades were uh, thrown into us. But the last week, uh, Sunday, there was uh, no dispersed with meetings. Uh, they did not do anything uh, uh, at the meeting. These meetings, but, I'm sorry to cut in, but, but the meetings are, are where you go to, to, to protest them being to there? Protest. Yeah. Yes, we protest Kersonians. They protest against their staying here. They protest against their this, uh, thoughts uh, even uh, to uh, organize some kind of uh, Face uh, fake republic here, as they first uh, started. They there were uh, rumors and uh, thought, uh, thoughts, uh, ideas of their implementing rubles, uh, imposing rubles uh, here in our, on our territory, but uh, uh, it failed. Of course, it's uh, impossible. In uh, some villages of Kherson region, they uh, made in the other towns, small towns, they tried to to make people uh, teachers uh, teach in Russian. Uh, according to Russian programs, uh, I'm a teacher. I, uh, we work uh, uh, with uh, have distance learning, uh, and we do uh, according to Ukrainian. Nobody told us uh, yet in Kherson. Our Kherson mayor uh, really keeps Kherson uh, uh, as a Ukrainian city, and uh, no vi. Uh, well, uh, violence here, according to uh, to common people, they are searching for uh, uh, veterans of uh, war in Donbass. Uh, they have maybe their uh, there's a list of people, and they uh, go around the city. They uh, come into uh, houses, uh, flats, uh, 
they uh, kidnap, uh, they take uh, in prison these uh, veterans if they find them. And that's why it. Um, I didn't go. Uh, I haven't gone outside for a long time. But my kids, uh, they went, went shopping, and they were stopped today. They were stopped. They went by car, and they were stopped by the uh, Russians. Uh, and they looked their, uh, at their uh, passports uh, and let them off. Uh, they check. They stop almost all cars. You said that uh, Olga, that they go to some people's homes. Have they come to yours? No, no. They they know they uh, maybe they know their addresses uh, or uh, they go to, uh, they go and search for uh, uh, war veterans uh, uh, of uh, 2014 at the eastern uh, front in Donbas. And they uh, they t- they well just kidnapped people uh, who were in uh, 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 Ukrainian army in uh, in Donbas region in fourteen fifteen. Okay, so they they take the veterans, but no major violence against. I think you said no no violence to the common people, at least not yet. Uh, but of course, after Bucha, that's that's the huge worry that if yes if they yes then. If in you guys streets, win and they, they, they withdraw, then then it could be the same kind of thing. Not now, not. Uh, but uh, they they just uh, disperse the meetings uh, and uh, look for uh, uh, military uh, military people, uh, veterans of Ato uh, here. Uh, and yeah. Do you get any sense uh, that uh, in any interactions that you or your family may have had uh, over the past few weeks with Russian soldiers? Do any of them seem to be even somewhat uh, empathetic to to the Ukrainians, to to the people like yourself who live there, or did they just have a a kind of one way of thinking? I don't think that they have any empathy to us. Uh, they uh, they are given maybe uh, some orders just to keep quiet here and not to, uh, not to do any uh, violent actions because uh, either they they were prepared. They d- Sometimes I think noticing they don't know what to do with Kherson region and Kherson. It seems to me they just, uh, uh, but if, when they leave, when they are f- uh, forced to leave, I, I don't know how they will act. Uh, Russians are unpredictable now, and we have never thought that this atrocity can happen in uh, other regions. But I know that uh, uh, in Kherson villages, uh, in uh, different, uh, it's my uh, my relatives say that uh, what they uh, have seen and they know that they just come into uh, this uh, the re- the uh, villages which uh, have been, uh, have been liberated, uh, and they were they uh, after they uh, left. They, uh, while leaving, they take everything from the people's houses. It's in Kherson region. It's in not in uh, in uh, uh, Kiev region. It's in Kherson region, and they take everything from the houses: uh, uh, microwaves, uh, furniture, uh, clothes, uh, perfumes, everything. And the woman just called my neighbor, my relatives, and she was crying, expressing her uh, well, just. Uh, uh, not fury. I don't know what is it. It's uh, this uh, desperation that everything was taken by Russians from the, her home. It's in villages. That's why how they will behave then if, uh, if they are forced to leave Kherson, and they will leave. I'm sure because that's why I'm still here and I haven't run away. Uh, I think that they will leave and very soon. 
and how they will act. We are closed. We, uh, our windows are uh, closed completely, and uh, uh, we are scared. And, and it's just a couple trips out for 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 your son and 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 the wife, and and you you must be worried every time they leave and looking out that window until yes. they come back. Well, of course, uh, we uh, just uh, have each uh, each of us have a key, and uh, when they come, they have ro- their own key, and we don't open doors to anybody now. Only when uh, somebody calls uh, on the phone, and then we can open the door uh, to anybody. Uh, uh, that's why uh, it's the, in the state of fear. We are living for uh, the last these days, uh, especially especially the last uh, the days uh, after knowing what they uh, have have already done in other regions. That's why it's rather dangerous. It's rather scary. I uh, feel desperate whether to leave Kherson or not, but still I'm here. Uh, I, I'm curious, Olga. I mean, you obviously have not lived through something like this, uh, nor is your your uh, family, right? Uh, especially your kids. Um, how do you think this is going to, going forward, change your whole outlook on life? Oh, well, yes. Uh, you know, our life is already changed completely, completely uh, turned upside down, I, I would say. Or maybe uh, it comes to the the proper way of thinking. We now the most valuable things are our neighbor and our closest, dearest uh, people. We have different now values of life. Uh, it's uh, I, every day. I uh, thanks God that I have uh, food. I have roof over, over my head, over my head of my family. That we have somewhere to sleep, that we are in uh, warmth and uh, with the electricity. You know, this we can understand that we cannot, we have taken everything for granted, and now we understand how precious everything is. And that's that my uh, my son, my daughter in law, she's uh, really my daughter, not in law, but daughter in heart, I would say. My grandson. It's the most precious, uh, uh, not things, the creatures in the world. Nothing else can be wealthier. No money can can value anything. That's why we have to. We have not to get used to every such common things. We have to be grateful that what we have. Uh, and uh, of course, we will all change. We help everybody. We try to uh, uh, get to know how our uh, uh, distant relative are. We help everybody and uh, ask always on the phone what you need. Do you have anything? Do you need something? Well, you know, yes, we have changed, and our future. I, I'm think I think we will change in the future also. Olga, we're so sorry for what you're going through, but we're glad that that you have the family there together. Um, and thank you again for for speaking to us again. Thank you also that uh, you uh, I I just want everybody to know how Ukrainians suffer here and how we want to live and in democratic and free Ukraine we are Ukrainian here though being in occupation I we are waiting for our army we are waiting for everything but <sighs> for our usual life without these worries Olga in uh, Kherson 
English yeah. teacher with the family there. And, and we hope to uh, to talk to you again and, and hopefully maybe from a safer position. Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues to bring repercussions on the international stage. The U.N. General Assembly voted to suspend Russia from its Human Rights Council following accusations of war crimes. Meanwhile, the U.N.'s humanitarian chief expressed pessimism regarding the ability of Ukraine and Russia to achieve a ceasefire after talks between Moscow and Kiev placed the country's differences in stark contrast. With us to discuss that is Pamela Falk, CBS News correspondent at the U.N. Pamela, thanks again for coming back with us. So Russia is off of the Human Rights Council, and the cynic in me has to ask, so what? Uh, so what is that uh, they thought enough that you really would start to think maybe it means something. Uh, so what is that they are getting a message from the international community. And by the way, they really tried to not get this message. They sent out a basically threatening letter telling countries the night before that it wouldn't be seen as good for relations with Russia, an unfriendly gesture, they called it, if they either voted in favor of this resolution or even abstained, because abstentions are not counted. So they cared. Uh, The bottom line is they quit anyway right after the vote, so they they aren't going to participate. This is a 47-nation, let me just give you context before I even answer, because you have to understand this is a 47-nation Geneva-based human rights group that has been sort of hijacked by a lot of human rights abusers. So Cuba's on it and, and Syria's on it and China's been on it and, and a lot of countries that have abused human rights. But the U.S. got back on it so it could launch investigations into war crimes, which they do do, and um, have the moral weight of the human rights agent, the primo, primo human rights agency of the United Nations. So bottom line is, Nothing much happens, but it sends Russia a message that it can't rally the the troops, meaning nations, around them at all in the world. Okay, so pariah status for Russia for now, but what's to say in five, ten years? Everybody needs them again, needs the oil or whatever, or things have changed, and then we're back to where we were at at the beginning of all this. Well, it's hard to say five or 10 years down the line, but the point is to just sort of get them the message that in terms of sanctions, in terms of politics, in terms of travel, they're not going to be able to go anywhere. They're not going to be able to buy anything. They're not. I mean, look, is it is it what the Ukrainians want? The Ukrainians want somebody to help them. I mean, this what. Zelensky said here at the U.N. two days ago, and we all talked about it, is, you know, help me fight this thing because you're drawing a line around NATO and NATO gets protected. And what happens to the rest? And the U.N. can't act because of Russia on the Security Council. So um, not much happens, but it isn't the accumulation of the world saying, Russia, you're alone. Now, most people seem to look at it today and say, 
nothing is going to change anything for Russia other than on the military front. But the military front is also changing because with all these countries not siding with Russia, um, you've got you've got uh, countries helping Ukraine fight the war. But, you know, in, in line of what you just were, were saying, Pamela, I, I keep thinking every time one of these actions happen, uh, so now it's uh, Russia being uh, removed from the uh, Human Rights uh, uh, Council, but everybody always says, well, we're doing this to send a message to Putin. But, I mean, you know, does anybody think he hasn't got the message at this point? I mean, it doesn't seem like he cares. Yeah, he doesn't seem to care, but this is all gone together to make countries it's sort of a shaming exercise in some ways i mean why why did south africa fall eventually companies and countries all divested of everything in south africa i it may take a while i mean that's the biggest problem i mean what happens to ukrainians i mean one out of four ukrainians don't have a roof over their head. So um, it's a desperate situation, but it is what the Biden administration has marked as put it all together. And once the world realizes they don't want to be on that side, um, even India, which was sort of on the fence and critical of the kind of torture we've seen of civilians, and just mur- mass murders and bombing of children and an abduction of children, um, all of that got them to stay in the abstention column but criticize Russia. So um, who's going to give Russia money and arms? Uh, the 24 who voted with Russia, and that's North Korea, Algeria, Bolivia, Burundi, Kazakhstan, Mali. I mean, it's not countries other than China that really will help. So the key part of this is China. And the the Biden administration is going to have to decide what are they going to do with what they call a white knight in in sanctions. If somebody bails you out, then sanctions don't work. Pamela Fox, CBS News correspondent at the U.N. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher.